Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all of you unconventional conventionists out there. You're listening to Rocky Talkie, the show about everything Rocky Horror. I'm Aaron. I'm John. And I'm Nikki. And we have a great show for you coming up. Just before we get started, I want to introduce all of our listeners to my cat, Beetlejuice. Beach! He's having a rough day today, and you guys might hear him screaming quietly to himself in the background of my audio, kind of like all of us have done all of 2020. So sorry about that. Bear with me. Guys, it's 2021. 2020 is fucking over. We'll see about that. Yeah, like, everybody was like, New Year, oh my god. But it's still shitty here. It's just we got a one at the end of it now. I was told everything was going to magically get better the minute that the clock struck midnight. That's that's not what happened. It's just divisible by three now. That's it. (laughs) That's all we got. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, Nikki, what did you do for your New Year's then? I spent New Year's with my boyfriend, and it was it was unfortunate. You know, we had a couple drinks, the time flew by, and then 2021 hit, and I cried. I was like, oh my god, this has been such a fast year. I'm reaching my 30s. I'm going to die. It was very bad. It was terrible. I'm reaching my 30s. But I did eat a lot of crackers with salami, and they were really good. Is 30s so. like your cup size? I don't... I, I'm a head out. <laughs> All right, see you guys. All right, it's ju- it's just me and Aaron for the rest of the podcast now. All right, well, John, how was your New Year's then? Uh, my New Year's was fun. I did three hours worth of dishes with my partner while my roommate died on the kitchen floor. My condolences? I guess. <laughs> no, he um had a little bit too much of the adult juice. Ah. Uh, Didn't we all? And was playing with our dog, and she ended up dragging him into the kitchen where he just kind of fell asleep on the floor. <laughs> Savannah and I turned around and we were like, oh, there's Adam in his Taco Bell sauce packet tracksuit. <laughs> what? It was a great the way fuck? to roll into 2021. All right, don't judge. I mean, it sounds like he's just getting all of the, the 2020 out right there at the end, right? <laughs> That's basically what happened, yeah. Well, John, I also saw you got a schnazzy new do. Oh, shit. I did kind of get a schnazzy new do. Uh, I dyed my beard purple because why the fuck not? Purple? Where'd that come from? My viewers on Twitch actually asked me to dye my beard, and I was like, why the fuck not? So then I put a little poll in my uh, my Discord channel for it, and everyone voted on purple. So we we, we out here starting 2021 with a purple-ass beard. Ass beard. <laughs> Ass beard. <laughs> Ass beard. No, I'm a little confused by that because I voted for red about five times, and I'm not sure if my votes were counted properly. Can we get? We a should recount. recount. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? We should actually we should get a recount, and then we should talk to the Secretary of State of my Discord and tell him <laughs> to find the seven other votes that would have allowed you to win that. I mean, yeah, we'll find I'd, those. We'll, we'll I'd look. be real disappointed if if he wasn't able to find those votes. It's it, it's kind of embarrassing for him. If you haven't checked the news this morning, that's right. Our asshole in chief is running his mouth again. So, of course, let's uh, let's move away from that global news and let's move over <laughs> to some Rocky Horror global news. All right, guys, let's get into this. Let's go. For those of you who don't already know this, we actually record this on Sundays. So yesterday, on Saturday, GalaxyCon released their Q&A panel video with Pat, Nell, and Barry. And I thought it was super cute. I had a great time seeing the three of them enjoy talking and answering questions about Rocky, their experience in theater and life, and what they're up to right now. Yeah, I was almost a little surprised to see how comfortable they all were with each other. I mean, like... Barry was yelling at Quinn for insulting his new clock venture not like two minutes into the panel. And the conversation just kind of got better from there. I know they do these sort of tours together like often, but you could definitely tell that the level of chillness they have with each other goes beyond just work acquaintances, you know? Absolutely. Barry is coming out with a line of warped clocks, which is gotta be interesting to like somebody who listens to this. I'd buy one. Or, like, at least 10 people got to be interested in warped clocks. I'd buy 10. Could you you say they were time warped? 
So the records that he has <laughs> melted, warped, and designed into clocks. Nikki, mind your business. I think Damn. he's going for like a like a Rocky Horror theme with the whole like warped aesthetic. Like you'll be able to see and buy his creations in a few weeks when his website goes up, which is uh, BarryBostwick.com. Fitting. Uncle Barry says that it should be up in around two weeks, so I am definitely looking forward to that. I was really glad to see Barry, like, entrepreneuring himself out. But that reminds me of that story with the Italian guy. Oh, God. You mean Rocky Horror legend John Mandraccia? Uh, sure. Yeah, him. (laughs) That guy. Yeah, that guy. I don't know. Sure. Nell was explaining how she came to find out that the movie had been brought back from the dead with the start of shadow casting after it had bombed at the box offices originally. John Mandraccia, who produced the first and second ever Rocky conventions, which were both held at the Calderon Concert Hall in Hempstead, Long Island in February of 1977 and October of 1978. Yeah, you were alive for those, right? Uh, My mom wasn't even alive for those. Jesus Uh, Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Invited Tim Curry, Richard O'Brien, Meatloaf, Jonathan Adams, Susan Sarandon, and of course, Patton Nell to the conventions. That's how they found out there was more to Rocky than the initial box office flop. I have no earthly idea how a 16-year-old not only put together a con, but managed to get three of the stars in the movie to come. Like, that completely blows me away. Like, at 16 years old, I couldn't even do my math homework, let alone put on a whole-ass convention and get famous <laughs> people to come to it. That's absolutely wild. Uh, John has passed, unfortunately, but he sounded like he had hella game. I definitely got the vibe that Barry felt left out that, uh, nubile italian boy wasn't trying to get into his pants but don't worry barry i'm a 164th sicilian and i've always got a salami to lay upon you like a nice anti-pasta dish i hate to say it but thank you for always teaching me new things about italian cuisine and sex education you help keep mine and our listeners bedrooms spicy and savory smelling yeah i get that a lot you'd be surprised oh Listen, guys, I'm not exactly sure that John was 16, but that's certainly how Pat and Nell recounted it. In Creatures of the Night, Sal writes that the first two conventions were also co-produced by a friend of John's, Paul Spiegel, who worked as a pharmacist at the time. Still, right? That's an impressive showing for a two-man endeavor, putting on the first two ever Rocky Horror conventions. So the bit that really got me here, though, was that Pat Quinn mentioned that they filmed the whole movie in six weeks. The actual shooting schedule was closer to 10 weeks. We can see that from the copy that Larry shared with us for the Easter egg mystery in episode seven. But it does look like they blocked the schedule so that many of the actors were only there for six or seven weeks. It was pretty nuts to hear her talk about it firsthand. I can't even imagine filming the entirety of a movie musical with that kind of pacing. By modern standards, it takes at minimum 10 weeks for shooting a full-length feature, and that's at the extreme low end for a film, let alone a musical. I had no problem believing that they were often, as Pat mentioned, sleeping on set during filming. Oh yeah, they were talking about their funniest moments on set, right? And I was like disheartened to learn that Barry was kind of cunty to the set people who had to spray him down with cold water for his scenes right after walking into the castle. And he, like, cursed them out. But then Pattonell made fun of him for being a whiny American actor, and I felt like the wrong was kind of righted. <laughs> Barry's stories were great. He was such a lively guy on the panel. I, th- I thought it was really sweet when they were talking about the first ever awards that they had received. Barry told the story that the first award he ever got was for being the best paper boy in San Bernardino, California. He won because his mom used to help him box up his newspapers and drove him around to deliver them. I thought that was pretty great. Stupid supportive family. You would. (laughs) (laughs) But on the tail end of that, Little Nell went into the story of her, like, basically dying when she was a kid, and the whole experience serving to jumpstart her dreams at the stage. She actually got misdiagnosed with appendicitis, and her appendix was removed basically for, like, no fucking reason. Oof. As you do. Yeah, right? Classic. And it turns out that she actually just had a really, really bad case of hepatitis, so she got treated for that. And then after the whole ordeal, she was stuck at home for like three whole months. You know, much like we have been for the yeah, past Yeah, I wonder year. what that's like. <laughs> yeah, right? She was like one child out of four, 
And while she stayed at home after the hospital visit, she and her mom used to spend quality time together watching a midday movie. A lot of things with people like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. And that's where she really got her love of tap dancing, which I thought was a neat little insight. I thought how Barry got into theater was kind of neat. It wasn't a crazy story, but apparently he was at a class that was divided into two activities, trampolining and tap dancing, and he picked tap dancing. I, I can't say as a kid I would have made that call. Like, I really liked trampolines when I was little. My buddy across the street had one of those big oversized ones. We would jump on that thing for hours. Really? I would have absolutely put money on you going for tap dancing. What about you, John? You're six years old. Tab dancing or trampolines? Uh, trampoline. Like, no contest. I am not in any way, shape, or form athletic enough or coordinated enough at six years old to even begin to try some level of dance. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was a vegetable for, like, the first 13 years of my life. Mood. What about you, Nikki? The six-year-old you bounce or tap? So, six-year-old me did tap. She did a lot of dancing. Of course she But I, like 19-year-old me, every time I see a trampoline, I, my fight or flight is triggered and I choose flight every single time. I am a, like, I'm a sucker for a good bounce, so I would probably choose trampolines like now. We're cut from the same cloth, my friend. <sighs> if all of you haven't had a chance to check out the GalaxyCon panel, we've got a link in our show notes. I think it's definitely worth a watch. It's super cute and the con did an awesome job of coming up with interesting questions for the three of them to answer. So, I mean, while we're on the topic of interesting questions for the three of them to answer, I found a fun little thing. Did you guys see that The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina did a time warp cover? Honestly, no, I didn't. That's fair. I don't think any of us have been following that show. I've heard good things, but I'm not sure I'm quite their target demographic. Don't get me wrong. I love the original 90s Sabrina, though. Oh, big same. And now that I'm thinking about it, I was streaming and... Adam and Savannah were actually watching it. Because now that I remember, I remember that they were watching Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And then mm. I just heard the time warp and I was like, why? <laughs> Wait, can we backtrack for a sec? There's another Sabrina show? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not that young. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this show is still relatively new. We might have some listeners who are still working their way through it and we don't want to spoil anything. So we actually aren't going to give away any context to the cover, but you can find it in Season 4, Episode 6, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, this is one of those obviously chop-for-TV versions of the Time Warp, but it, it's not bad, right? It's kind of a mashup of, like, the stereo version of the movie soundtrack, but it's got the driving rock guitar and pacing that's, like, mixed with gritty live sound you get from the stage show versions. It's a weird mashup. So they've even got a janky version of the Time Warp dance, like, hands up, hands down, shimmy, do the wave, but, like, all at the same time. So it's not even a wave, it's, like, vaguely stage show, but not really. It also skips Riff's second verse, jumping straight into Columbia's solo. It's a bit jarring if you've heard the song a billion times like we have, but I understand why you'd cut it for pacing. And it also ends after the follow-up chorus. The whole song is compressed down to like two minutes, but it's this like really high energy, like rock and roll two minutes. It's not bad at all. And a fun reminder that Rocky remains relevant in all kinds of pop culture. That's true. I mean, the original Sabrina the Teenage Witch did a Rocky Horror episode, too. I don't know if you guys remember it. Maybe John does. But it was in season five, episode eight, when Sabrina is in college working at the coffee house. She and Aunt Hilda get dressed up as Riff and Magenta and go to a midnight showing of Rocky Horror. The next morning, Aunt Hilda asks about the movie and Zelda replies, I got rice in my hair and toast in my bustier. It was a huge success. Wow. That's, like, surprisingly on point. Like, I wonder if one of the writers was a fan of the show, maybe? Perhaps. Mm, maybe perhaps some uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Rocky Horror Hentai? Mmm. Mmm, rule 34 is a rule <laughs> of the internet, friends. God, I hope that one's not broken yet. <laughs> we couldn't well, find any hentai or crossovers online, but maybe... If you know, write to us and let us know, and definitely check out the Time Warp cover on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. If you're a fan of the show, you'll love it, and even if it's not your thing, it's still a pretty fun cover. And now, while not directly Rocky Horror related, we here at Rocky Talkie want to share our excitement for the recent passing of the Save Our Stages Act. Yay! Woo! Woo is right, my friends. Save Our Stages Act was recently announced 
to be included in the COVID-19 relief package. It's so hot. Right? Honestly, like I'm horny right now. H-O-N-R-Y. Yeah, honestly. Because so many people made their voice heard by sending over 2.1 million emails to elected officials expressing their support for the act. Around $15 billion of the $900 billion COVID-19 relief package will be earmarked to provide aid to independent music venues, movie theaters, and other performance spaces, all of which have been massively struggling since March of 2020. That's billion with a B. Billion. Billion. So again, while this isn't Rocky Horror News per se, it absolutely affects all of us and our ability to keep performing once we're all vaccinated and COVID is no longer the major obstacle between us and live shows. We know a lot of you guys wrote emails and made calls to your local lawmakers. We're extremely grateful and you should be very proud of yourselves for helping pass this act. This makes me so happy. Yeah, everyone listening, if you sent those emails, pat yourself on the back because we Give did it, friends. Give yourself a kiss. Yeah, <laughs> go buy your house. While we're on the subject, there is a study going around which we want to encourage all of our listeners to participate in. It's called Return to the Stage, and it's, quote, a longitudinal study of performing arts workers in the United States designed to understand COVID-19-related impacts and begin documenting a broad future vision for the performing arts field. The Return to Stage website states that this study will help us understand how the performing arts workforce is experiencing the effects of COVID-19-related restrictions, what kinds of coping strategies the workforce is using, and what your hopes are for the performing arts field in the months and years to come. And, quote, We want to hear from the full array of talented people so a clearer picture can be formed of the performing arts sector's future. End quote. Yeah, so the study is really a simple survey that can be completed in just a few minutes, and it asks questions about your role within the performing arts, how your involvement has been affected since March of last year, and how the shutdown of performance has affected your income, mental health, quality of life, all these kind of things. And we know a lot of our listeners are performers, and like, not just on Rocky Horror Shoutcasts. So we encourage you all to learn more about the study by going to returntothestage.com and participating if you're comfortable. All of us feel that it's super important for the results of the loss of performing arts to be like, thoroughly documented. It's been seen by so many people as like, an unnecessary field, a waste of money, a waste of time, and I think 2020 has demonstrated to everyone how necessary the arts are. They're literally what has been keeping us all from absolutely fucking losing it while we're stuck inside. Yeah. 100%. Also, shadow casting is a very niche form of performance. So I think it's really important for us to consider contributing to this study as there are already so few of us to begin with. It's so important to take the opportunity to be counted. Definitely. So like John said, if you want to learn more and are considering taking part, go to returntothestage, all one word, dot com. And now it's time, my friends, to flip over to some community news. And for those of you who are in the community, I feel like you're already going to know what we're going to talk about today. We had one community write in this week, and we are absolutely losing our fucking minds about it. (laughs) So the write-in is from a Zephyr Goza from, you guessed it, the RKO Army. Never heard of him. Oh my god, Zephyr, I love you! Zephyr, you're so hot. Poop on me. Never, please. Come to Brazil. I'm this off my mic. Jesus Christ, John. Zephyr writes to us today, I wanted to share the RKOCon 4 promo video set to Andrew WK's I Want Your Face. Uh, it's viewable here. HTTPS colon slash No, 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 no. He sent us a YouTube link. That's all we need to say. He sent us a YouTube link, which will be in our show notes. Uh, This is to promote our upcoming con in 2022 and also serve as a fever dream love letter to Shadowcasting. We're trying to get as many eyes on us as possible and we hope to see everyone there next year. Please reach out with any questions. I'm happy to answer them. Oh boy. That is an unsettling impression. Oh, thank you. Zephyr, thank you so much for writing in with this. I want your face which is why I'm doing a poor impression of you for this. We've got to tell you, there was zero chance of us not covering this on the show. I know I told you to write in for this just in case, but like, we obviously were going to fucking talk about this one, right? Yeah, the hype leading up to this was incredible. There is the daily countdown on the social network page. I know the three of us get so stoked to get 
any new con content and the payoff of this video was so worth the wait would you call that content fuck off john all right see ya cool <sighs> for those of you who may not have had a chance to see it yet Zephyr and I'm sure a whole bunch of other RKO cast members made this really fun music video to the song I Want Your Face by Andrew WK. The video itself is Zephyr storming into an empty theater and leaping into the movie screen to sing I Want Your Face at Frank. The production value is really high. It really looks like he's hanging out, interacting with the Transylvanians and moving around on set. It's fucking crazy. It is a lot of fun to watch. I know that I hit the replay button at least two or three times just to take it all in and make sure I caught all of the tiny little nuances, and I'm sure I still miss some. I'm the first to admit that I probably have the biggest dick in the entire Rocky Horror community, but after watching this video, I have to concede defeat. You know, like, Zephyr indeed has the biggest dong in the entire Rocky Horror community for putting this fucking video together. Good God. I know, right? I'm kind of terrified at someday seeing it. So in his message, <laughs> Zephyr told us that we could reach out if we had any questions, and of course we absolutely couldn't resist. So we did a little Q&A with him, which we're now going to do a dramatic reading of. Okay. I'm the coolest out of the three of us. I also have the biggest dick out of the three of us. So I'll be Zephyr, and the two of you can ask me shit. Word. Okay, yeah, no, that seems fair. Yeah. So, Mr. Big Dick Zephyr John, the I Want Your Face video was edited phenomenally. How long did it take? Start to finish. Come on, give me the deets. Give me the numbers. Give me the raw stats. Oh my god. Thank you. Well, from, from initial concept to execution took like roughly about 10 months. A lot of that was like on and off editing time. The first scenes filmed were like me walking around in the movie. And we shot that literally two weeks after ArcheoCon 3. So this has actually been finished for like quite a while. And we uh, we screened it at a couple of our outdoor drive-in shows in October before releasing it to the community. Now, like since the pandemic canceled basically everything back in March, I was lucky enough to have lots of time to edit. So lots of little extra details made it in. Oh, that's crazy. D John, didn't, didn't you actually see this at the RKO show that you went to? So yeah, they showed I Want Your Face, this video, for the first time at the Menden Drive-In show that they did that I guess performed with them with, like, right in a pinch, like, less than 24 hours notice as Janet. And I'm pretty sure, like, nobody or very few people had seen this video yet, and Zephyr was following me around going, just wait, just wait, just wait, you're gonna <laughs> love it. And I watched it, and every single person who had not seen it for the first time was like, god damn it, Zephyr. Like, that was the reaction. <laughs> Clean up aisle three, aisle yep. two, John's pants. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. So our second question for Mr. Big Dick Energy Zephyr John or whatever, what was the most difficult part of working on it? Okay, so, well, there were two extremely difficult elements. Uh, first and foremost had to be working with the source footage of the movie. Like normally when you do like a VFX project like this, you take a lot of references and capture environment lighting or like place motion tracking markers, like things like that. But unfortunately, I was working with a movie from the 70s, which wasn't filmed in like ultra high resolution and for which I had extremely limited reference and no control over. That meant a lot of the guesswork and endless tweaking to make things look okay. And in a few cases, actually recreating some of the background digitally, which was an absolute nightmare. Oh my god, I can only imagine. Me too. Zephyr Goza <laughs> can almost only imagine. <laughs> but the second super challenging thing was Tim Curry. The shots of him in the video aren't cleverly recycled shots of Tim from old movies. They're actually new Tim Curry shots driven by live performance and deep faked with a neural network, which took tons of time and computing power to generate from scratch with my gigantic dick. Holy shit. I, I know, so... it's gigantic. No, no, no. I, I had a suspicion that some of this might have been deep faked, but I was like, no fucking way. Like, th that's way too much effort to put into this. I cannot fucking believe it. Like, Zephyr, you got to write an article that is like all of the technical shit about this because like, I've been looking into doing some AI related stuff related. Anyway, let's talk. Let's talk. I, I love this. Let's. Yes, please. Sure, Aaron. We will 100%. I will absolutely write some naughty ass fan fiction for you to wank it to. No, I'm I'm more so looking for about, like, what your training's... But you know what? It's fine. It's okay. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. John Zephyr, what was the most fun part of this whole project? 
Uh, I think the challenging parts were also the fun parts because I really enjoyed doing unreasonably difficult things. Move. That said, right? Uh, that said, I think the most fun thing was playing with all like the surreal meta imagery, like picking death and Narcissus for the statues in the dressing room, or doing the parody of the god and man painting, or uh, like ending with Tim Curry watching somebody else be Tim Curry. Like I wanted to tap into that rocky feeling with something really fun and tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time a little bit insane and out of control and, like, maybe disturbing. But, you know, in, like, a fun way. <laughs> it's all goofy nonsense, but I also hope there's some stuff in there to chew on if anybody wants to get dreadfully philosophical with it. Delicious. This thing's so good. It is a lot of fun. Much like my penis. There's so much in here. Like, there's just so many weird fun things that he put in here and i i'm i'm just gonna go watch it again after we're done with this Mm -hmm. with your pants off yeah this time with my pants off yeah well while aaron takes his pants off zephyr john i'd like to know who else helped and what did they do okay so my castmate and partner harley and my former castmate greg held the camera for a couple of things you know shout out to them and tristan or trisket as we call him who does a lot of av at our shows helped me light and shoot some stuff to try and make it match the movie and of course our cast leader roy rossi who let me romp around in his basement in front of a green screen and was super supportive of making it that's great do you guys have uh, more digital promotions in the pipeline i can neither confirm nor deny that at this time that sounds like a yes! Uh, I said I can neither confirm nor deny. Sounds like a yes, just saying. <laughs> what else can you tell us about RKO4 and the planning process so far? And do you have any fun little nuggets of insider info that we can tease as show exclusives? Ooh. Ooh. So we learn a little bit from each con and we're always looking to improve stuff. Like, literally, we're taking notes as the con is happening. The week after con, we've usually already identified what needs more time, what could be streamlined, eliminated, added, made more convenient. The focus of ArcheoCon is always the people. We love having panels and shows and that kind of thing, but at its heart, it's all about getting together with the people that we don't get to see that often from all across the world. So the focus is always on facilitating that. It's just as much about the after-party as it is about the main show. And I think that after 2020, we can use a great big after party. We'll be doing a lot more official announcements about what to expect in due time. But we really want to see everybody there. So please mark off August 2022 on your calendar and let everyone know that you're going. Oh, Zephyr, thank you so much for chatting with us, even if you had to take on John's voice. And we're sorry for how terrible John is at being you. My dick isn't big enough, I'm sorry. You know us, we love all of this behind-the-scenes info, and it's great to be able to learn about your process and share it with all of our listeners. And even though it's over a year away, there's so much hype with RKO4 right now, and I don't think any of us see that excitement going anywhere anytime soon. These guys could probably sell out an entire hotel without doing a single ounce of promotion between now and August 2022. Take my money. Honestly, like, shut up, RKO. Here's my funds. Part of that is definitely how renowned their conventions are, though. Like, Archeo-hosted conventions are always such a good top-tier time. Mm -hmm. They always have a huge array of different performances, really interesting panels, and, of course, the best parties. The best. The best! I wouldn't know. But, oh, you will. You will soon. (laughs) But I do think that another big part of the excitement is that it'll be the first time the whole community will get to just be together again after the nightmare that was 2020. Like, a lot of us haven't performed or even seen most of our castmates in almost a year at this point, and the way things are going could be a whole other year before we're back to any semblance of normalcy. I really think that for a lot of us, this con is kind of a light at the end of the tunnel, because more globally, it's looking like the summer of 2022 might be right around the time we've all settled back into our shows again, and that definitely will be something to celebrate. Hopefully, with an awesome RKO party. Yeah. I know personally that every time I see an update to the con social group, even if it's like just a cute little joke about, oh, I don't know, the convention being held at a Four Seasons landscaping, (laughs) it's really, (laughs) it's a really nice reminder that we have good stuff coming up soon. Just because everything is still dark doesn't mean it'll always be this way. We'll get to the new normal soon. Thank you so much to Zephyr and the whole production team with RKO. We really enjoy and appreciate your content, and we are so excited for whatever you come up with next. I excited. I'm John. 
Hi, John. I hate hey. you. I hate me too. <laughs> Speaking of hating John, I don't know if you guys saw this, but yesterday Roy posted to his Facebook page that the con is being planned for August 3rd through 7th of 2022. I haven't seen those dates posted anywhere else yet, so I don't know if it's tentative or set in stone or, you know, Roy just being Roy, but I am certainly excited to have an actual date to put into my calendar. I'm certainly excited. I'm John. I literally want to die right now. Me too. This doesn't change anything. Speaking of dying. (laughs) Speaking of dying, Fred Moreau just launched another Kickstarter. That's right. The man who brought us Did You Know the Castle is a Hotel merch is back at it again, this time with In the Graveyard, a repo enamel pin series. See? See? It's about dying. You're really good at selling this shit, Aaron. Oh, Did you know thanks. the castle is a hotel merch is back at it again this time with the white with in the green. <laughs> so there's going to be potentially three pins in this series. The first one is a hand holding a loaded Zydrate gun. The second, which unlocks when the Kickstarter hits 600 bucks, looks like a skull and crossbones, except the skull is a Repo Man mask and the bones are surgical equipment. And it's backdropped by the Jinko logo. And the third, which unlocks when the Kickstarter hits 900 bucks, is a stretched out Pavi Largo face. That one is my absolute favorite. It is so creepy and so gross. You guys have to back the project so I can get one. Well, you also have to start backing the Kickstarter then because it's the last one to unlock, Nikki. I think he'll do it, no problem. We all love Fred's work. His pins are such great quality and they just have such nice artwork and they just look so cool and ooh. I think you're safe, honestly. The project just opened up for funding yesterday, and like as of right now, when we are recording, which is Sunday afternoon at 5.22 p.m., he's already made like $900 on this project, and all the pins are unlocked, so you'll be able to get your creepy sliced-off face. Yes! If you're thinking about backing, we should also let you know that the first 100 backers will get some extra swag with their pins. Fred is also going to be including a fourth bonus design, the Zydrate Anatomy Basic Steps, which he'll be turning into magnets and stickers for early bird backers. So if you're interested, there's definitely some incentive to give Fred your money sooner rather than later, and much sooner like now, because we're getting close to that hundred already. Please do it. They are so fucking cool. So the Kickstarter campaign ends in a little over a month. If you want to check it out, we've got a link in our show notes. And as always, if you've got a Rocky-related project you're working on and would like us to help spread the word, or if you've got a cool story from your time in shadowcasting that you'd like to share, write to us. Just go to our website, that's rockytalkypodcast.com, and send us a message. We cannot wait to hear from you. And I'm Leandra, and we host Rocky Horror Minute, the podcast where we discuss the Rocky Horror Picture Show in excruciating detail one minute at a time. We're doing this show to share our love of the lyrics. You've never seen a prune in real life? No! They're not the same as raisins, right? Our passion for performance. Oh my god! I was like, bad knees, stupid, sober. Our attention to detail. I know that everybody's curious. That car is a 1964 Ford Falcon Deluxe Sedan, four-door, 54D. And to unlock secrets that would otherwise be lost to time. Oh, are you asking if I know the name of the cheetah and why it had such a problem with the snake? Visit us on the web at RockyHorrorMinute.com for more information. Or look for us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, I think that brings us to everybody's favorite segment, Nikki Asks a Question! So we've got another great question this week from our friend Rowan Kimor, who is a member of RKO, FBC, TPB, and occasionally NYC when they feel like it. Jack of all trades. Uh-huh. Thanks for writing in, you beautiful clown crustacean, you. Oh, how sweet. Uh, God, I love them so much. Hey, Rowan. So Rowan writes, Thanks for answering my previous question about the Brad Riff buttfuck scene. Anyways, this was kind of interesting. What do y'all think of this fan theory? Shout out to Roy Rossi. Rowan attached the link to a Reddit post from seven years ago on the fan theory subreddit. We'll make sure that's in the show notes if you want to check it out. A fan theory? What could possibly be weirder than the actual plot of Rocky Horror? This one's actually pretty good. 
All right, I'm, I'm all ears, but we've got to condense this one down. If you want the full unadulterated post, go take a look in the show notes. So the theory goes, in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Dr. Frankenfurter is the only character to consistently break the fourth wall, excluding the criminologist acting as a narrator and the single instance by Dr. Scott during Eddie's Teddy. So why did Frank break the fourth wall? What was Frank's mission that he failed to complete? And what of the floor show at the end of the film? Who is he performing this for? Oh, okay, so it sounds like we're doing some kind of meta, interior, characters, motives, fan theory thing. Yeah, the theory's pretty out there, but I like it. Alright, they say that Frank's purpose was to film a documentary for the Transylvanians about Earthlings. He's actually not breaking the fourth wall, but looking at the cameraman or hidden cameras, like speaking to his future audience in Transylvania. So there's a bunch of examples that like may or may not support this theory. I think we'll talk about those in a sec. At the very end of the post, it wraps up with a summary that I think kind of sums up the whole story. They say, Frankenfurter was making a documentary about Earthlings. This explains Frank breaking the fourth wall and the floor show. The unfinished footage was left behind when the castle took off. The criminologist found the videos, filled in the gaps with narration, and then this was released as the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay, I kind of fuck with that. I think that that's a good theory. However, I have a, I have a similar theory that follows that, okay? I think it's a found footage horror film. Let me explain. Frank was brutally murdered at the end. That's not a documentary. That's something horrible. Oh, so like a snuff film? No, like Cloverfield. So like snuff Cloverfield? Sure. Cool, thank you. (laughs) I'm glad we got there. (laughs) So, okay, I, I don't know about all this. They're using fourth wall breaking as evidence for a theory, and you gotta have a bit more going on than just that, right? Breaking the fourth wall is a narrative technique. The idea dates back to like the 14th and 15th century. Just to make sure we're on the same page here, when you say breaking the fourth wall, you mean when Frank or Dr. Scott or whoever talks straight to the audience. Exactly. So the fourth wall contributes to the suspension of disbelief between the story and the audience. It's part of what allows you to feel like you're watching like real events unfold. What are the other examples that this theory gives? The ones that like aren't fourth wall breaking? So there's actually quite a few here. During Sweet Transvestite, Frank says, well, how about that? Directly to the camera person and then smirks and throws his cup of water. That's fourth wall. I guess a little more extreme of an example, though. I got I got a better one for you. So it's rumored that Frank purposely laid a trap to catch Earthlings via the flat tire. So like during the opening wedding scene, Frank, Columbia, Magenta, and Riff Raff all appear as church workers. And some have a theory that those are the same characters in disguise looking for the victims for their experiments. I've certainly heard that one before. They're all at the wedding to find some Earthlings to play with. Yes... Could be. I mean, we're, we're never offered an in-universe explanation for them being at the wedding. Jim Sharman... He's the director of both the movie and the original play. Yeah, Sharman says in his memoir that he wanted Frank Riff Magenta and Columbia at the wedding to evoke the whole Wizard of Oz thing. Yeah, see, that makes sense. He wanted to have the same actors present, like the farmhands on Dorothy's farm. Part of the whole thing where the movie was going to start in black and white. You know, we talked about that back on episode two. Did you guys know that Wizard of Oz wasn't actually the first movie to use Technicolor or even the first American color film? Really? Nope. The first was a movie called The Gulf Between from 1917. Unfortunately, it was destroyed in a fire in 1961, and today it's totally lost with only a couple of fragments still in collections. That's pretty crazy. And further proof that this show is completely scripted because Nikki would never fucking say that. Guys, I was a film major. (laughs) Yeah, sure, Jan. (laughs) So that's what this theory says, right? That Rocky the movie could be presented as a documentary reconstructed from fragments of footage that were left behind by Frank and then later released by the criminologist? You know, they could have been recording everything. There's cameras everywhere, in the rooms, on the walls. Magenta and Riff flip through it multiple times, like they can't decide what to watch on Netflix. You literally have Columbia and Magenta cuddling up to watch Rocky and Janet go at it. If that isn't reality TV, I don't know what is. So everything else is part of that documentary Frank is making. He's doing sex experiments on Brad and Janet. He literally built himself a man to experiment on. And then he puts on a giant floor show to show how he turned them all into sex-crazed Transylvanians. 
At which point Riff busts in and he's like super pissed off because Frank was sent to Earth to make a PBS documentary and he ended up fucking the monkeys. <laughs> this is so absurd. Like, <laughs> I love fan theories. They're like bite-sized fan fiction. Yo, speaking of fan fiction, have either of you read the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan fiction crossover? What? What? Oh my god, you have in here. Hold on, let me get you an excerpt. Wait, John... A goth in a corset, Dennis repeats, derision clear in his voice. Don't tell me you've never seen, even heard of Rocky Horror. He looks to Charlie to share in his disbelief, but Charlie is just as clueless as Mac is. Let down by the others, he turns to Frank for backup. Frank, tell me you've seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You were around in the 70s. Frank barely reacts. Um, I've never heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) What? Dennis is aghast now, never having seen the film is one thing, but it beggars belief that one could be entirely ignorant of its existence. How is it possible that you've never even heard of it? Frank shrugs. I spent a lot of the 70s in Colombia. I don't remember a lot of that either. No. I've spent a lot of the 70s in Colombia too. She was real hot. <laughs> We're not doing that. Focus, man. You gotta focus. Well, what else really is there? If you piece the theory together carefully enough, it can't really be disputed. Like, is there more evidence? You know, I, I think I can tie my favorite fan theory into this one. I'm a fan of the theory that Judge Wright from Shock Treatment and the criminologists are the same character. Not that crazy, right? After escaping from the Faith Factory, Brad and Janet tell the judge of all the things that transpired from their night at the castle. And the criminologist presentation during Rocky actually takes place chronologically after the events of shock treatment. Oh, oh, oh my god. Okay, and the judge had so much experience in TV after shock treatment, he realized by listening to the stories from Brad and Janet that they were filmed the entire time at the castle. So he knew to go look for the footage at the old castle crater. I like that. Like, once you add on shock treatment, it gets even crazier. Like, what if the whole reason that Denton becomes this TV zombie town is because of the advanced recording equipment Frank was using the whole time at the castle? Maybe that's a side effect of using the transducer one too many times. It turns you into a TV zombie, and it causes you to spontaneously burst into song. And it turns the frogs gay. You know, I I bet it probably does turn the frogs gay. I mean, if it doesn't make them infertile from all that radiation first. Um, actually, John, Janet has a kid in one of the early drafts for the unproduced sequel Rocky Horror Shows His Heels, so she's not that infertile. (laughs) Depends. Is it Brad's or Frank's? Or is it Rocky's? Damn, Janet's a slut. Hey. Don't shame. Good for her. Anyway, that's that's the twist at the end of Rocky Horror Shows His Heels, the kid's Frank's. Is that real? There's really an unmade sequel with Frank's baby? Oh, God. You know, Rocky people, we will hunt down everything that is out there. Over the years, the community has found out about several Rocky Horror sequels that actually never got made. The one Aaron's talking about is Rocky Horror Shows His Heels. It was written in 1978, and it was sent to Fox in 79. Richard O'Brien sent the studio a 71-page script and a one-hour cassette with the music on it. Yeah, there's pictures online of Fox script response notes for Rocky Shows His Heels. They've got the plot summary, some high-level comments from executives about if the production should be made, if it would be successful, under what conditions they'd have to have to make it. I'm pretty sure there are actual copies of the scripts in private collections, but I'm not aware of the full script being online anywhere. One of the notes was that the studio wanted Tim Curry to reprise Frank. But when they approached him, he didn't want to do the same character again. Also, Jim Sharman wanted to do something different and thought it was way too much like Rocky Horror was. So, O'Brien created a new story around the existing songs, which eventually became The Brad and Janet Show. Yeah, and the community has access to that script. It's posted on RockyMusic.org, and it's the basis for what would later become Shock Treatment. Rocky Horror legend Ruth Fink Winter transcribed that version of it, and it puts a lot of Shock Treatment into context. The original version of the script was a lot more literal. It didn't have the whole everything's on a TV set angle yet. So you've got Janet and Dr. Scott, who's filling the role that would eventually become Bert Schnick, running around from the insane asylum to Janet's parents' house to the TV studio to a community center. They're just going all over the place. 
Yeah, it doesn't have that, like, Truman Show thing going on yet. It's just a story of, like, a fast food maven taking over a small town, committing his twin brother to an insane asylum to steal his wife, who turns into a crazed reality TV star, egged on by two sketchy neurospecialists par excellence, who, in the end of the movie, literally commit the entire town to a Farley Flavors-branded sanatorium. Not like some quirky reality TV insane asylum, like, actually ended up in shock treatment. I guess the plot makes a lot more sense when you unravel it like that, but I don't know. We need to do shock treatment for Nikki Asks a Question sometime. I'm still not sure I get that whole thing. I don't think anyone does really, but the script does help flesh it out. It's a pretty entertaining read, and it also shows off how Richard O'Brien was really playing with the ideas of reality TV and like meta-realities. O'Brien also wanted to do a stage sequel. In 2001, there was talks for a theatrical show that the community dubbed Rocky Horror, The Second Coming. (laughs) Yeah, you like that. (laughs) This version is reported to be a mashup of Rocky Horror Shows His Heels and another unreleased script treatment called Revenge of the Old Queen. Yeah, the community has access to a version of Revenge of the Old Queen, the scripts available online as well. Are all these scripts real? The consensus is yes. Most of the info we have is fairly accurate. The original documents are in private collections, and I'm not really aware of any questions as to the providence of them. You mean, like, where it came from and who had it before, like with fine art? Yep. We even know that the version that circulates now was transcribed by Jason Allen, P7A77 FAF, around January of 1997, and was given to them by an anonymous source. The only real thing to note is that these are all treatments and ideas and rough outlines vastly different than what would have ended up on screen or even in a final shooting script. There is something in Revenge of the Old Queen that actually supports our crazy fan theory, though. Go on. One of the key plot points in Revenge of the Old Queen, and this was written by Richard O'Brien and intended to be a sequel to Rocky, Right. So in the universe that exists for Revenge of the Old Queen, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is a movie that was released to theaters. Wait, what? So fucking meta. Yeah, so get this. In Revenge of the Old Queen, Agent Steve Majors, that's Brad's brother, he's an FBI investigator, is concerned about a new hit song on the radio that's sung by his FBI boss's son. Yeah. The The song is called, okay, get this, The Moon Drenched Shores of Transylvania. And Agent Steve Majors is concerned that his boss doesn't know that all the things in his son's song are actually true. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, in this universe, Rocky Horror exists as a cult phenomenon. People dress up as all the characters, they throw things at the screen, there's shadow casts, all the things that we know about Rocky. But also, the movie is real and the events are true. Wait, (laughs) wait a minute. Wouldn't that make Rocky a documentary? Full circle. Ta-da-da! It's unclear if it's supposed to be a documentary or just based on real events. At minimum, it's implied that it's one of those court TV style based on real events. You know, those dramas. But the script does say that the Denton affair was like a full-blown FBI investigation that eventually went cold. And the entire story of Revenge of the Old Queen is Agent Majors unraveling the secrets of the aliens from transsexual Transylvania. It's got this whole angle of Riffraff struggling with his position in the transsexual high court, the impending death of Frank's mother, the Old Queen, a time travel subplot, Janet as a strung out sex worker, and a lot of cross-dressing, incest, necrophilia, and so much more. Oh, I see. So our theory is in good company with this one. I mean, Richard wrote this stuff, so in at least one of the many universes out there, this was intended to be the basis for a story that would have been capital C canon, but not really. The community's known about Revenge of the Old Queen for quite a while. People originally started talking about it in the early 90s in a couple of fan magazines, online in the news groups. It started popping up around 1993. We eventually have the script getting shared around in the mid-90s, and after the turn of the millennium, some of the audio that Richard had submitted was also leaked. By the mid-2000s, it had been pretty easy to find online. The original place I remember hearing it was on an episode of the now-defunct Rocky Radio podcast that was hosted by Rocky Horror legend Jim Hetzer. 
that's Cosmo of Cosmos Factory, Rocky Preservation Society, tons of other Rocky community projects. Yeah, so it's out there. And if you're interested in taking a look at the scripts, check out rockymusic.org. And some of the audio is available by searching for the song names on YouTube. All right, guys, what's the verdict on this one? Does this theory hold water? Personally, I mean, I like it. It's obviously not what Richard or Jim Sharman or anybody intended and has no basis in the film, the stage show, or the history of Rocky Horror. But I do like that it ties in neatly with the themes that Richard also used in the unproduced Rocky treatments. Hell, I mean, if Revenge of the Old Queen had been made, it would have been true. And the whole theory can even tangentially tie in with Shock Treatment, the sequel we did get. No, no, no. It's an equal not a sequel. Shut up. I'm honestly not surprised that this theory exists. Shock Treatment deals so heavily with the idea of blurring the lines between documentary and reality TV. It was like years ahead of its time in that regard, and the old Queen script conveniently tying it all together kind of makes for a fun fan theory. Honestly, I never once thought about why this movie was made or the reasoning behind this movie. I never thought of Frank was breaking the fourth wall. This kind of goes back to the conversation that we had a couple of episodes ago where it's like, I never thought about this movie critically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just watched it, dress up as the characters, know all the words and know all the motions. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of it being a documentary. And I like that we have that script that can kind of prove that theory true. I fuck with it. I think it adds like another level of dimension to the already craziness that is this fucking show. Totally. But just like our write-in, we kind of went all over the place with that one. So thanks, Rowan. Thanks, Rowan. Thanks, Rowan. That is all we have for you this week. But before we sign off, we again want to thank Rowan and Zephyr for writing into us this week. We love thanks, hearing- Thanks, Rowan and Zephyr. Thanks, Rowan and Zephyr. Thanks, Zephyr. Thanks, Rowan. We love- Thanks, he- Zephyr. <laughs> thanks, Rowan and Zephyr. <laughs> we love hearing from all of you, especially Rowan and Zephyr. So please keep it coming. If you're enjoying the show and want to help us spread the word about it, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It helps us make our podcast more visible to new listeners, which helps us grow the show. Also, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcast, so please go check us out if you like us and want more content. And please write to us. We love getting message submissions from you guys, and we look forward to chatting with you all week. We want to hear about all the cool Rocky stuff you and your cast are working on, and we want to share it on our show. If you're working on a Rocky-related project you're excited about, if your cast is doing a show and you want to spread the word, or if you've got an amazing story from your Rocky horror career, go to our website, rockytalkypodcast.com, and fill out our contact form to share with us. We will talk to all of you next week. Bye! Bye. Thanks, Zephyr and Rowan. See ya! Bye! So for those of you who don't know yet, we actually record on Sundays. So yesterday, Saturday, GalaxyCon fucking phone. <laughs> um, so for those of you who don't li- don't listen. So for those of you who don't know, we record on Saturday. Fuck me. So record- <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> we can do this. So for those of you who don't already know, we actually record this on Sundays. So yesterday, on Saturday, GalaxyCon released their Q&A panel with Pat Nell Barry. No. <laughs> My God. John, what the fuck's fuck going on? Dude, I don't know. Okay. I can do this. It's going to be the last time. And if not, you can fire me. Okay. <clears throat> All right. I was really glad to see Barry Entrepreneur. I can't have the fuck entrepreneuring. Entrepreneuring? It's not a word, so you can say it however you want. Yeah. Okay. I was really glad to see Barry, like, entrepreneuring, you know, like, entrepreneuring himself out. Entrepreneuring. Which reminds me. <laughs> yeah. The but rest that of the, totally. <laughs> the rest of the podcast is just us saying that word. Entrepreneuring. Entrepreneuring. It's pronounced hustle. <laughs> Rickard O'Brien. Rickard O'Brien. <laughs> Damn it. I our writer, our writer can't write. Susan I- Sarandon. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm 164th Sicilian, and I've always got a cobweb. He's oh, always got a cobweb, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it here first. <laughs> and then after the whole ordeal, she was stuck at home for like three whole months. You know, much like we have been for the yeah, past Yeah, I wonder year. what that's like. Yeah, right? She said can't she relate. was... <laughs> can't relate. Been out every day. No, I... <laughs> she... <laughs> but Nell said that she was grateful that the experience gave her more time with her mom. Were you talking yeah, about, Nikki, she... that you couldn't relate to hepatitis? No, I can relate to both of those things. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one second, guys. The cat's screaming. Ah, I agree. Ah. I mentioned to you guys that I found out her name was Laura and had like a crisis about it, right? Who? Little Nell. Little Nell. Her legal oh, name is yeah. fucking Laura. It is. That makes me so upset. Nikki, if I say the phrase to you, your mom's chest hair, what am I mentioning? What? If I say the phrase to you, your mom's chest hair, like as a comeback. Uh-huh. You know, like, oh, nice n- nice wig. What's it made out of? Your mom's chest hair, you know? Chest what a- hair from what my What am I, mother? what am I, what am I, I'm referencing like a movie. What movie is no. it? No. Not for me. Aaron? Uh, wait until I Google it. Hold on. Adam? Oh, my God. Hey. Why did this? Oh, what's, yeah. Okay, what's that yeah, I got made it out of? Your mom's fucking mean girls. It's fucking mean girls. You I got dumbasses. Oh, okay. No, I've I'm just seen mad. mean girls. I just I'm, don't. Bitch. I, I, I said it as a reaction, and they said oh. I don't get it. Clearly. <laughs> I mean, clearly, it's still I'm not funny. The, really? No, I wasn't trying to be funny. They didn't know what it came from, and that's the part that made me sad. Valid. There's another Sabrina show. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not that young. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my oh, god. I, I thought I almost, I almost had a heart attack. Oh no. <laughs> it's bad enough that you don't know what cassettes or laser discs are, but. Oh my god. <sighs> Never gonna let you live that down. This show is Never still really. Never gonna really... give you. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized you guys use two different color oranges for John, and that's so upsetting. No, I can't tell. That's yeah, the he funny can't part. Tell. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> But I can, and I have to live with that reality. <laughs> yeah, everyone listening, if you if you sent those emails, pat yourself on the back, because we Give did it, friends. Give yourself a kiss. Yeah, <laughs> go buy your house. Go Don't buy your family works. house. <laughs> you smart. You loyal. You, you grateful. Important. I appreciate you. Anyway. I don't even know what that is. Okay. Uh, DJ Khaled, before he uh, decided to not be funny anymore. We had one community write in this week, and we are absolutely losing our fucking minds about it. <laughs> Name? <laughs> what are you Aaron's laughing at? Ee, 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 ee. <laughs> yeah, so the show that I had to, like, emergency guest performance as Jad. Jad? What the Jad. fuck did I just say? <laughs> Jad. It's the, uh, the Jad? Brazilian Rocky Horror show. Oh my Have you God. met Jad Majors? <laughs> Chad Majors. You were oh Janet, my God. weren't you? <laughs> I was Janet. I don't know why Chad. I said that. <laughs> oh my God. I need to go to Chad. bed. Chad. Chad. <laughs> You're really good at selling this shit, Aaron. Oh, Did you know think... the Castle is a Hotel merch is back at it again? This time. With the white bands. In the green. <laughs> Whoa. All right. There's going to be three potential pins in this series. The first one's a hand holding of a loaded side drink gun. The second one, which unlocks when the Kickstarter hits $600. Aaron, John, personally, I cannot handle this. Neither can the audio waveform. It just cut off everything. Anyway. That's me. The kick. I, I was too busy looking at uh, Audacity and just like watching the line flatline and just be like, yeah, that's aesthetic, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Nikki asks a question. Speak for yourself. I like global news. Speak for yourself. I like the end. <laughs> I, like I feel like we did this joke last week. <laughs> that's fine. Just let it happen. It's okay. a time warp. Shut the Fuck up. Thanks for writing in, you beautiful blank. What just happened? <laughs> well, that's a blank there. I don't know. 
<laughs> maybe uh maybe Meg will bleep it out. I don't know. I think she uh, wanted you to like ad lib. Oh, okay, yeah, that's fair. That makes more sense. Thanks for writing in, you beautiful crustacean. Yeah, right. Oh. Thanks for writing in, you bit. Thanks for writing in, you beautiful clown. Fuck. Thanks for writing in, you beautiful clown crustacean. You. I think Snuff Cloverfield is just the early two thousands Godzilla movie, right? Yeah, I'd say so. I think that that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. All right. This is where my reaction goes. I too am shocked and appalled. I, I for one, am whelmed by this information. I, I read from top to bottom instead of from left to right. <laughs> that was something that I just tried to do. <clears throat> and everything and else. <laughs> and he's man how everything doing to the L sex experiment turned. <laughs> Fuck. Egged on by two sketchy neurospecialists par excellence. Par excellent. It's the quote from shock treatment. Fuck shock treatment. Sorry. Thanks, and Rowan. Thanks, Rowan. Thanks, Rowan. Thanks, <laughs> Rowan. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> so, and that is... <clears throat> Thanks, Rowan. Thanks, Zephyr. Thanks, Rowan and Zephyr. Thanks, Zephyr and Rowan. Thanks, Zeroin. No. Rowan Goza. Zephyr Kamor. Zephyr Kamor. Zephyr Kamor. Yeah. Gotta go.